Now, I know we are used to thanking people, for example, for their military service, right? I know that some of us worry about our cell phone service, don't we? How many bars do I got? Oh, no. And then I know that we even complain when we go to a restaurant and the waiter's service isn't everything we expected it to be. Some of you are pretty good to let those waiters know, aren't you? So when you think about all these ideas of what service could mean, it makes you wonder, why do we call this a worship service? Seems to imply that somebody's being served here this morning. Who is being served here? Let me ask. In a lot of ways, I think we may automatically think, you know what, we're here to serve God. God is being served here. We are here because God has been so good to us. We are here to serve God. We might say, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And part of serving God is being here on Sunday morning. Or we may remember Jesus in the desert being tempted for 40 days. We may remember his words to Satan that we worship the Lord your God and serve him only in a way that we serve God is by being here this morning. Now, let me affirm that indeed God has been good to us. And there may be elements of our serving when we come to a worship service. But you and I are here first and foremost for worship. It's a worship service, worship being first. You remember last week we talked about that is who we are as the people of God. We Worship God first. So you and I are here this morning worshiping God. And so that means, I think in part, that the serving that's going on is God actually serving us. Now, I know that makes some of us feel uncomfortable. And please don't misunderstand me. I'm not suggesting that God is here and think, how's the pew? Is the pew comfortable enough for you? I'm not, I don't think God's worried about how comfortable you are. I don't think God's worried about how, uh, com- how uh, easy everything feels for you. I don't even think God's worried about getting you out at 1201. But God is here serving us. As a matter of fact, what could we do to serve God anyway here? The Apostle Paul once said, That God is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Because he himself gives all men life and breath and everything else. What could we do here to serve God? God is here in this place with us. God has called us here. And God is here to serve us. I know some of you pray before you come to a worship service and I hope more of you are learning to do that and I know that some of you who pray before a worship service we pray for certain things to happen right now I want you to pay attention what those things are that we pray for and how they show us how God is serving us one of the things we pray for is that God would open our eyes that God would open our heart God we want you to do something when we come together and worship we pray for the Holy Spirit to guide us and to lead us and to inspire us 
and to convict us. We're asking God to do something. When we come for communion, everyone is invited to whose table? The Lord's table, God's table, the table that has been set by whom? God. Sisters and brothers, the reason why we need this time together is because of the work of God that we experience together. God is here serving us what we need to be faithful people of God. Amen? Now, I say all that because I want you to be aware of the many ways that God is at work in the world. I want you to be able to walk on a, for example, Monday, because God does stuff on Monday. I don't know if you know that or not. And I don't know if you've heard, but God is still faithful on Tuesdays, too. God is still good even on hump day Wednesday. See, God doesn't just do things here. And I want you to be aware of the hand of God in your life more and more. I want you to be able to see everything that's happening in your life. I want you to be able to understand those things that are going on in your heart. That that is God at work for you, in you, and by his mercy through you. I want you to learn to see more and more the power of God around you. And I also want you to understand that when we come here to worship, God is serving us for particular purposes. God is working on our behalf so that we can know that he is still God, so that we can affirm again and again that God is with us. And when we come to worship and God serves us, another reason why God is so willing to do that is to prepare us. To prepare us for that first step we walk out that door when we're done with our worship together. Because I don't know if you know this, but there's a big world out there. And that world doesn't always look as loving, as kind, and as beautiful as how it can look when we are here together on a Sunday morning. I know some of you know that all too well. But God serves us so that we are then prepared to leave here ready to serve God's world. Jesus even showed us this principle today in our gospel reading. In our text, we see that Luke says Jesus has called all the disciples together. And I wonder if it was a a Sunday at 11 a.m. That'd be just perfect. I don't know if it was, but he's called the disciples together. And when he called them together, Luke says very clearly, oh, and I hope you, you, you were able to see this, that, God, that Jesus gave the disciples power and authority. Remember, Jesus says, I didn't come to be served. I came to. And even though he has the disciples here, he says, okay, guys, you aren't here to serve me. I'm here to serve you. He gives them power and authority. Y'all don't get that, do you? Jesus gave the disciples power and authority. Because they were going to need it. They were going to need it to be able to accomplish what he was asking them to do. Jesus gave them power and authority, and he gave them special field instructions. They were to go out from town to town, from village to village, from place to place, proclaiming the kingdom of God. 
And he said that I don't want you to go trusting in yourself. I don't want you to go thinking you're all big shot and you've got everything you need. Don't take extra shoes. Don't take extra coats. Don't take extra water. Don't take money. Don't take your pretty tie. Don't take your pretty shoes. Don't take your Sunday's best. You don't take anything with you except for the power and the authority that I have given you. What Jesus, I think, wanted those disciples to understand was that the mission that they were given was to be trusted more than anything else that they could ever have for themselves. And, oh, I wish that churches could learn that today. Ooh, you see too many churches that trust too much in their buildings. They trust too much in their programs. They trust too much in their ministries and what they can do. And I think we have an example here of Jesus says, you don't trust in what you have. You trust in the call that's been given to you. And the power and the authority that has come with it. Now, as I read scripture, particularly in these gospels, I think some of you do too. If you ever been able to study it with me, you know. I like to pick on the disciples every once in a while. Because, you know, they're not as faithful as all you and I, as we all always are. Right? They're not as holy as you and I tend to be 99% of the time. They're not as great spiritually as you and I are. Right? They tend to mess up. Not like us. Right? You really want to lie in church, huh? Come on. I like to give the disciples a hard time because, man, they, boy, they just mess up sometimes. Say the wrong thing, do the wrong thing, they're in the wrong place, thinking about the wrong things. But here in this text this morning, we have to give them credit. Because we have an instance here where they are being faithful and obedient to what Jesus told them to do. He gathers them together and he says, I am giving you power and authority now go from place to place and preach the kingdom of god and you know what luke says they did they left they did it they didn't say oh jesus not even an extra water bottle not even a hymn book not even Jesus says, this is what you have, this is what you do. Luke says, they went. They did what Jesus asked them to do. It's that simple. Can't say too much more than that. They were faithful to what Jesus told them to do. And isn't that what you and I want to do too? We want to be faithful to the calling God has given us. Two of you want to be faithful to the calling God has given you? Then we've got a lot of work to do together, don't we? We don't trust in any of this. We don't trust in any strength we have. We don't trust in any ability we have or any wisdom we have. We trust in the power and the strength that God has given us to be faithful to his calling. That's why I think we need to get rid of church volunteers. Have you ever volunteered at church before? Raise your hand if you ever volunteered at church. Shame on you. 
me, let me explain what I mean. You know, if I'm a volunteer, there tends to be this idea that I'm going to choose what I want to do. That I'm going to choose where I want to be. That I'm going to choose how much energy and effort I'm going to give. Let me ask you a question. Do you think as Jesus brought those disciples out and said, I'm giving you power and authority, now go do this, they left. Do you think Jesus is saying, golly gee, I've got a great bunch of volunteers with me? No. No. You're right, brother. And as those disciples were going from town to town and healing and preaching, do you think they thought in their minds, man, this volunteering stuff is pretty good? No. See, those disciples understood exactly what they were. They were disciples of Jesus Christ. And I think the church is filled with too many volunteers who want to tell other people what they're going to do. And they're going to tell even God as much as they want to do. They're going to explain to you everything that's got to be for them to participate. They're going to choose what they want to do. They're even going to tell you if they don't like what you ask them to do. Church, we don't need volunteers. We need people who understand that they have been called to be ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. A minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ understands, Woo, God is good. God has given me power and authority, and all I'm supposed to do is obediently follow where God tells me to go. Stop volunteering. Start serving. Start serving God in faithfulness and joy and with love and excitement. I don't understand how people want to say, I'll come help at the church, and then they come with me. Don't come in here with all that. God's been too good to us. God has blessed us with too much for us to be that way. Grumpy Christians, get on my nerves, man. Those disciples understood that they weren't volunteering for anything. They were being obedient to the calling of God. And I think that they understood that their work was glorifying God. So let me ask you, the work you do at church or the work you do out in the world, do you see it as you just volunteering your time, paying your dues, or do you see it as a way of glorifying God? Because there is a big difference sisters and brothers. And we, we who are learning how to be committed to Christ, we understand that difference. We understand that our lives belong to God. And therefore, we serve the world that God loves so much. We see this in God's character as well. We all know that verse, right? John 6, 3, 3.16. We all, we all know, we all love. For God so loved the world. I like to keep things simple. So the way I see it is, God so loved the world that he did something. Now you say you love God. 
do something. Side note, do something other than just love God. You'll love people. Because you can't love God without loving God's people. Even the people who get on your nerves. Even the people that rub you the wrong way. Even the people who vote differently than you do. Oh, am I punching some nerves right now? Boy, you Christians on Facebook need to be ashamed of yourself. Even all those people that you can't see eye to eye with, guess what? They are people that God gave his life for. And don't you forget it. And if you say you're going to love God, guess who you have to love too? All those people. All those people. Even those grumpy Christians. God. But I think we missed that. I think church has this crazy idea that if we talk about stuff enough here, that maybe stuff will just magically happen out there. It doesn't work that way. Jesus didn't say to those disciples he gathered, all right, guys, I really want to change the world. I have a really good plan. Let's sleep on it for a while. Or better yet, how about um, James, Zebedee, John, why don't you guys form a subcommittee? I'm just going to leave that alone. (laughs) Jesus didn't just talk about it. He did it. There's a story of a father and a son. They have a conversation together. I should tell you, the father and son are actually two camels. The younger camel looks to his dad and says, Dad, Dad, why do we have these huge eyelashes? The father says, well, son, that's to keep all the sand from going in our eyes so that we can see clearly. Dad, Dad, why do we have these huge hooves? Oh, my goodness. Dad says, well, son, that's so our feet don't sink in the sand as we go day by day. Dad, what's with these big old humps we have in our back? That's to hold water, son, for the long treks we have in the desert. Well, Dad, how come we're stuck in this zoo? I'm going to tell you, I think the church is stuck. Jesus has given us power and authority. And for some reason, the church is content just to talk about Jesus stuff here. Instead of going to the world that God has loved with his life and loving it just the same. So, 
That's why it's important for us, I think, to consider how God is calling us to serve. uh, Towards the tail end now of our six-week sermon series entitled Committed to Christ, so far we've reminded ourselves of the importance as believers, as Christ followers of our dependence on prayer scripture reading, and even our idea of worshiping together. And today, I want you to consider what it means for you to serve God. You should have an insert there in your your bulletin. If you will take that insert out, please. It looks just like that one right there. It's got the committed to Christ uh, graphic there. Week four, of course, we're talking about service. And the question is, are you ready to grow in your practice of compassionate serving? I want to remind you of the responses that are here because they all represent what I want you to consider doing. I want you to consider where service is, the kind of service that we've talked about today. I want you to consider the kind of service that is in your life right now. And again, I don't want you to to think about, oh, how I should be serving or how good Christians serve. I I, I just want you to be honest about your life right now, how you serve God's work. And wherever you are, all I'm going to ask you to do today is that if you'd be willing to take one step up, no matter where you are in your faith walk when it comes to serving, if you'd be willing to take one step up. Let me read to you the responses. The first one says, no, I am not ready at this time. And I need you to know, sisters and brothers, that what I'm asking you to do is a very important thing. I'm asking you to make a commitment to God. And if you're not ready to make that commitment, I understand. Please don't write here what you think we want you to say or what you think is going to make you a better church member or anything like this. The next option reads, no, I'm not ready today. But I will be searching for ways that I can serve God. Do you see how that could just be a step up for somebody? The next option reads, yes, I am ready to give at least one hour each week at church and or in the world. The next one reads, yes, I am ready to give at least two hours each week at work and or in the world. The next option is up to you. Yes, I am ready to give however much time each week to the church and to the world. There's a line for you to consider the ways that you may feel God is leading you to serve. I am most interested in serving in the following ways. Maybe there's something God has placed on your heart that you see as a church we aren't participating in yet. Maybe there's something you know that we could do together that you, with God's help, can do you're just not doing it. The following option reads, serving others will be a priority in my life. Growing to include the following. I will look for ways to give my time and strength to serve God. I will serve with joy and gladness. When I hear Christ inviting me to greater levels of sacrifice and service, I will answer, yes, Lord, send me. I'm going to pray for us, and uh, as a part of that praying, 
I'm going to ask if you would take time to fill this out. Please know if you are visiting us this morning, you're not a member of the church, we don't have the expectation that you do this, but we do want to give you an idea of what kind of church we are trying to be. Amen? Let us pray. Almighty God, we know that you have done a great thing in our heart today. You have blessed us with the presence of your Holy Spirit. You reminded us, God, of our calling and just how loved we are. And we ask, Lord, that you would forgive us for our unwillingness to serve you, to be faithful to your calling. But prepare us, God, to be a people who are ready, able, and willing with joy in our heart to serve the world that you love so much. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.